Hello world, what's up? Welcome to another episode of Exchange, a show where we discuss interesting problems in the front-end domain and the solutions through the experiences of experts. I'm your host, Anurag. Today, we are joined by Manish to talk about performance. Manish is a senior architect, experience technology. He's currently part of a digital transformation project in retail domain for an Australian client cross brands and channels in both B2B and B2C market space. Welcome, Manish. How are you doing? Thanks for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good, Manish, and thank you so much for taking the time and uh, joining us. I know it's a weekend; it's a Sunday. Uh, I, I know you might have a you know ten other things to do, especially the household chores we all kind of do on weekends. So, really appreciate you taking time, Manish. No worries, pleasure. Great, Manish. So, let's start with the obvious question. Why is it important to make a website fast? The Facebooks and Twitters of the world that have to operate at a massive scale have to keep their sites quite fast to cater to users with a wide range of internet availabilities, right? But what about a regular website? For example, something that we might build for businesses or even personal use. Why do you think we need to make those websites fast? Today's era, when everybody is having a low attention span of time and looking for faster applications, right? And why are they looking for it? Because it is a demand from users and as well as from the business. And the business is getting impacted if your application is not fast enough. So let's let's look at from customers' point of view, right? Now customers mm -hmm. are uh, demanding a very comprehensive, highly performant and stable experience for their users and because of that there is a need for speed in our applications and this emphasis on performance has started in the last decade or so and uh, so think from all aspect uh, customers users as well as developers now when we talk about user experience we also have to talk about developer experience how is your build happening is it taking two hours to take a build or one hour to take a build, that is also the performance aspect. And then, then there are different uh, avenues that each performance aspect will have. Like for example, what is the business impact? How are the customer acquisition impacting it? Or how is the user engagement working? Is it in favor of the business to have a fast and performance site? So eventually it is all about user experience and business. Interesting. If I get you correctly, Performance directly impacts how businesses make money. Does that translate to, uh, you know, does performance translate to eventually revenue? Absolutely. So let's take an example, okay? So let's say if I'm on a web application and I have just landed on the site, I saw one or two pages and then I just leave because I'm not interested in the content of the application or how fast or slow the application is loading, right? So if I'm I'm leaving the site, that is the bounce rate, right? 
and if it is very high then my conversion would eventually reduce right so but if let's say somehow i made my web application so smooth and fast that people are navigating from one page to another finding the right content at right time their interactivity is very fast so i'm eventually doing a session duration improvement right the user is staying long and the bounce rate is reducing so my chances of converting that user to a customer increases as a business so i can give you an example right uh, let's take an example of a business which was uh, which is related to uh, telecommunication so okay so in telecommunication let's take an example of vodafone now vodafone improved their web performance and the impact that they got was 8% improvement in the conversion just by improving the page load performance as well as the lcp of their home page can you believe that that's mind boggling you know i when i had never uh, kind of uh, delved deeper into performance optimization i kind of had this uh, mindset which i'm pretty sure a lot of other developers also do that uh, how you know on earth performance of a website could impact uh, a business's uh, ability to make revenues right especially when that website is not even you know an e-commerce website or maybe it's not even possible to buy some online or offline products from that website but going into uh, what you are talking about and things that i've read off the internet i have read a lot of stories actually people talking about even simple marketing websites impacting the revenue or the image or the brand image of that product right so people kind of associate the performance of a brand with the performance of the website and that to me is very interesting absolutely i think i can give you another example which relates in not because you mentioned about e-commerce and conversion in terms of buying there is another aspect to that where you are saving the cost if you are saving the cost you are eventually increasing your revenue so let me give an example right so netflix right used to deliver streaming of the content and everything but they when they moved from regular uh, web page content to a zzip compression they uh-huh. saved 40% in their bandwidth bill and that 40% is eventually going to add to their revenue right because they are saving the cost so that is another way to look into it right or or you can see amazon right amazon is so focused on their user experience in terms of the performance as well so every 100 millisecond delay that happens may be costing them uh, 1% in the in, in the revenue so there there is a relation direct correlation between the uh, how how fast your page is loading or the web application is interactive and and the revenue model that you have wow and and what do you think about so netflix and amazon operate at a pretty huge scale right but what do you think about some other websites like uh, the kind of websites that we develop for businesses uh, not so large i mean uh, maybe some kind of an airline or maybe some kind of a um, you know a logistics company a pharmaceutical company do you think that uh, performance matters to them as well performance matters to even for your personal portfolio website that's how i look into it right so it starts from a basic portfolio web page to the largest of the enterprise web application even if it is a website or web application it matters to all of us 
because it is not just about revenue that we have been talking about but also about user experience right and for example you gave examples related to airlines or logistic organization they are also kind of make creating a user engagement right they want to have retention of their users whoever is coming to their platform right so it right. is really important how are you bringing the new customers and then retaining them both of them are important so uh, for example i can give you one example related to a market which for which i worked and uh, it, it is an australian market that i worked for it was an e-commerce application uh, but we realized that uh, the the target audience of that client was for a mobile application was focusing on 3g fast and 4g net uh-huh. right now we had to optimize for that network condition as well because the target audience was catered catering to that and what happened was if you if you will read about uh, performance metrics and and how do you optimize it even like for example lighthouse or the web vitals that that are there they talk about 75 percentile right why this is 75 percentile because it covers three of three out of four users for you and it is a decent number to cater but because we had that constraint that we have to target 3g or fast 4g target audience as well we had to increase that number from 75 to 90 percent and that eventually made us put a very strict threshold on on ourselves but we improved the user experience and we retained and gained more customers Hmm. And Manish, there is also some talk about Google revamping their algorithm, the search algorithm, to kind of prioritize websites that optimize performance. Can you talk about that? Sure, sure. So uh, performance has a very specific uh, area called Web Vitals, right? Web Vitals were introduced by Google a few years back, and Web Vitals talk about the critical performance metrics. that we should be taking care of while creating our application right and those uh, those are called web vitals so for example they talk about lcp which is the largest contentful paint they talk about fid right first input delay they talk about total blocking time right tbt they talk about cumulative layout shift right all these metrics are called web vitals now recently google uh, mentioned that because performance is so important for all the users right that should be made part of the seo search engine optimization as well and in google they are giving priority to the applications which have better lcp tbt fid or cls these four core web vitals why is it so because uh, as i mentioned it is about performance at the end of the day they want to cater the most performant and optimized web application to their users first and very recently i think lighthouse 8 launched right if, if you yeah. have read about it in lighthouse 8 they have changed or modified a little bit on the areas of these web vitals and for example earlier the time to uh, interactivity used to have a large uh, have Uh, 15% of the overall lighthouse score now they have reduced it because time to interactivity is a matrix that that kind of is dependent on how the javascript is executing and how much is it blocking so eventually what is more important is total blocking time right so they have improved increased the percent percentage of that or weightage of a particular one 
Similarly, they have improved on the CLS because the earlier CLS or cumulative layout shift was only 5% of the score. But now they believe if there is a movement on the screen, right, it is impacting the performance, user experience, and accessibility of your application. So it plays a vital role. That's where CLS is also there. And all these factors eventually impacts your search engine optimization. So I would recommend all the listeners to go and visit web.dev and read more about core web vitals and their impact on SEO. Interesting. And it makes sense for Google to prioritize these websites uh, that optimize for performance. Um, in today's world, when people, although are moving toward faster networks, but there are still a lot of folks that are left behind in developing countries. I know a lot of my friends, for example, who are still on uh, the lower spectrum of 4Gs and then the network connectivity issues, uh, hopping from city to city is still not as great as it is in the modern or the developed countries, right? So it makes sense for Google to prioritize these websites. So basically what it seems like what they have done is that they have taken these uh, uh, metrics that Lighthouse already provides and they have kind of uh, uh, asked developers to use these, these metrics that are already available to you to improve their chances or visibility on the search rankings. Great discussion, uh, uh, Manish. So the next obvious question is, how does one make their website fast? Is it something to do after developing the website? or something to be tackled early on? Really interesting question. And it is the first thought that comes to your mind when you talk about performance optimization for your application, right? Now, before that, we need to understand how does the browser renders your page or displays whatever content you are rendering on the page, right? So that concept is related to critical rendering path. Right? How does the browser decide on, okay, I should display this content, I should get this JavaScript, this CSS, these images, and then paint them on the page, right? So first and foremost, we need to optimize the critical rendering path for our web pages. And that is the first stepping stone. Now, how, how do you know about it, that this is the critical rendering path that we are working on? Critical rendering path from a browser point of view seems more like you know about DOM, you know about CSS ARM, you know about how does both combine together and create a render tree, how does the layout is painted on the page, right? And if there are any layers on top of each other to create the composite and paint, right? So these are some core concepts which are there, which helps in rendering the page. Then second point to that is to understand what is render blocking versus what is parser blocking, right? So JavaScript and CSS, right? So JavaScript is parser blocking and CSS is render blocking. Now, if you understand these concepts as a developer, you can go ahead with the basic optimization steps, right? And basic optimization steps could be that where should your JavaScript load? Where should your CSS load, right? How do you get the critical CSS or the very important CSS for your first contentful paint that you want to put it, right? Or if not related to web page, then you can think about where should I host my web application, right? What sort of caching strategy should I apply for my web pages, for my images, for my assets, right? 
even the data that is coming in what sort of caching strategy should i put how are my images loading right are my images and the pages compressed well enough right or uh, should i be loading them in one go should i be lazy loading some of the content should i be using http 1.1 or http 1. Uh, http 2 uh, right and should, do i need a, a cdn content delivery network for the same so mm. these are the first stepping stone or the first bits that that you can do as a basic optimization for your application right related to javascript css markup and how do you host your web application right and and i think uh, the parser blocking and render blocking stuff that you just mentioned i think in in, in themselves they are quite useful to get started with performance optimization or at least thinking about how to performance optimize your website because these are the things that are generally what i've noticed are one of the trickiest to get right but still the easiest to get started with isn't it exactly so manish we talked about uh, these uh, good to get started with things like fixing your blocking scripts large images etc but what are your practical tips to get started with fixing these where to look and what are generally the issues in these javascript or css files so as i mentioned earlier that uh, critical rendering path plays a very important role in optimization because it it tells you the sequence of steps how the browser is going to take the html take the css take the javascript and convert that into pixels right and right and then and then, and and then there are also yeah and then uh, there are also slow fonts to talk about uh, there are also large images to take care of right so all these things are they also part of the critical rendering path or are these supposed to be fixed separately as you mentioned that html css javascript are going to impacted and now when you mentioned about fonts right because not not everybody is using the system fonts right most of the web applications that you see are using custom fonts now out of the let's say you are using three custom fonts for your web application because it is very dynamic application and it looks very jazzy uh, but you, all three of the fonts may not be the most important font for your application right it is not used all across right maybe on headings you are using a certain font but not everywhere across the body section of the application so maybe the body part where all the content is being content is being shown you are using another font and which is more critical so you can load or prioritize that first right you can preload that font or maybe you can have another strategy where other fonts could be loaded asynchronously or maybe you can convert that into base 64 one of the fonts into base 64 uh, string and keep it there mm-hmm. but whatever technique that i am telling you may have their own trade offs right for example i am giving an example because performance optimization is primarily about trade offs right so for example let's say i am optimize i have been giving a task to optimize the font loading strategy of my web application and i started uh, i thought okay out of the three fonts i am going to load one of the fonts i am going to make it base 64 converted and put it inside my css itself okay or maybe the html uh, uh, section using a style tag now what i've done is my font uh, for uh, the flash of unstyled content is reduced right my font for that particular font is loading fast 
but what i have done eventually is i have added weight to my html right earlier maybe it was only maybe 10 kb now it is 15 kb because 5 kb has been added by the base 64 conversion now if that trade off is decent enough to be taken in comparison to the user experience that has improved then well and good but if it is adding more than that we should consider it as a technique which we should not be applying right for so it goes case by case basis so that is one aspect that i can talk from a font point of view i think there is this other thing about reducing the bulk of javascript uh, so if you are using a compiler like webpack a bundler like that right so bundle size optimization is another thing that you might be interested in and there are a couple of packages that are very popular that help you do that i remember uh, you know webpack comes with bundle analyzer a very intuitive tool you just put it in your npm script you run that script and it opens an html page with a visual representation of all the npm modules or your own javascript files uh, an indication of how many kbs or mbs they are consuming really nice to work with kind of makes it faster for you to weed out all the unnecessary scripts or to take out the bugs so that could be one thing the other thing of course i talked about large images so we generally uh, you know to, i think uh, cdns today offer some kind of an image manager that uh, generate images based on the viewport uh, so if you're browsing on a mobile phone which has a smaller viewport you would be served a smaller version of the original uploaded Im- image but exactly. if you're if you're if you're looking at it on desktops uh maybe on a 2k monitor maybe on a 4k monitor then the original image might be served for you right so very smart image managers of course they come at a cost most of them but something to take a note of right so these are the couple of examples that i i can think of exactly so you talked about images right so rightly said there are service providers digital asset management tools which helps you get the best of the images right and their size according to your need and when we talk about need like you said that if i'm loading an image of let's say very high resolution of uh, maybe 2000 by 2000 pixel on my desktop it may be fine for one of the pages or two of the pages but if i'm loading the same image on mobile right there on on a 4g network or a fast 3g network it is going to take a lot of time to download that image right so yeah. how can i improve that i can use responsive images right i can i can use image src set or i can use picture tag right which loads the different images depending upon the device pixel ratio dpis uh, in, and and uh, size of the uh, device uh, media queries what not right there are n number of ways that they can load that and it is the best way to load right image for your right device so that is an also an interesting image optimization technique that we usually use and in one of the accounts that i worked on we followed the same approach again um, i will give another example because i am talking not just about the solution but the trade offs right so for example uh, in the image optimization when we did right so the the philosophy is that you take the device pixel dpi right and apply it according to the according to the device pixel ratio now let's say you have an screen uh, of android now android is uh, taking 
uh, density of let's say 2x right so whatever image pixel you are sending it can take double the size of that now for single resolution images it could be for desktop screens right or uh, for iphone it is 2x again but one of one or two such devices i came across where it was 3x and we had put that uh, logic of 1x 2x and 3x for the images and the uh, calculation according to that and our site slowed down on those devices then we realized that these images are being served from digital asset management in a 3x resolution so i i had a, a placeholder for let's say 300 by 300 but the images that were loaded of 900 by 900 pixel on those devices and on mobile devices with fast 3g it is like an overkill right and then we we optimize it further and kept it to 2x for iphone whoever supports the density with good network while keeping the single x for low end devices and uh, where the network is slow so these are some of the trade offs and the optimization further we can do for images good to know that you kind of go deeper into image not just image optimization but performance optimization in general so that kind of a fine tuned view of things definitely helps uh the clients and the team also to understand kind of change their mindset right nice to know that manish also manish there is this notion that server side rendering generally leads to better performance do you agree or do you disagree or do you are you neutral with that viewpoint so i would say in general it improves because because it has already created the markup for your web web page right and is serving it but it also depends upon are you having a lot of data which is going to be hydrated on the client side if you are using a react application right so then the, the javascript execution will would increase and then you would have a interactivity issues but the first paint right that we talk about first first contentful paint is going to be improved with server side rendering right but at the same time we have to think through and see how much markup are we generating on the server side and sending it through the network because whatever markup you are generating is going to be passed at the client side again so uh, a better way to look at it at it is like what is above the fold right or what is in the viewport that the user is going to see or maybe have a threshold of plus maybe 20% to that right and that is the amount of markup i would want the page to load it from server side others could be lazy loaded right on the client side and by the time the, the user will see the page and install the page the modules would be loaded and and it would be a good user experience in terms of time to first byte as well as interactivity and we call it perceived performance because your weight of the page is reduced your interactivity is improved and and number of things along alongside that okay so when you are developing new websites for enterprises is server side rendering something that you uh put in your solution architecture from day one or is that an evolutionary optimization that you tackle later on so again it depends upon the client requirements so i will give you two two side by side examples right so let's say i'm building an e-commerce application now server side rendering will become a primary requirement for me given it also impact the search engine optimization right now there are techniques how how do i implement it maybe i can only generate server side pages for the bots or crawlers and everything but server side rendering would be there right 
but at the same time let's say i'm building a banking application or insurance application which resides beyond the login authentication right so in that case probably server side rendering does not make sense from a seo point of view right because the user has the content is not going to be called anytime right you are going to stop it so that from that point of view a server side rendering may not be required and your client side rendering and the navigation and routing would work perfectly for that and the user experience remains as is because server side rendering eventually is applicable for single page application only for the first time user lands right not all the way but if if you have a multi page application yeah in that case it might make sense welcome back manish so before going into the quick snip segment we talked a lot about uh, the load time issues like blocking scripts large images low fonts and then we talked about how to actually go about fixing the performance but i think we missed a couple of things for example we i don't think we got time to talk about caching strategies and uh, also the big elephant in the room third parties right most of the websites are composed of some kind of third party scripts or third party css frameworks that's always the case i think even with most of the enterprise websites what are your thoughts on these couple of things and you talked about the elephant and let's talk about that first right third parties ah, yeah. so so whenever we are building any kind of enterprise application or even a personal application for example let's say i'm building my portfolio application there would be something that i would definitely put in would that is analytics right it is a third party maybe google analytics maybe any other analytics but it yeah. is a third party maybe i would put in a tweet section that how, what tweets i am make doing right now right or uh, maybe i could have any other share button which is coming from another third party now all these features as as i call it are important for most of the sites that are there right and in enterprise applications there would be n number of them it could be related to ratings and review it could be related to your analytics it could be related to your feedback and what not so when you are introducing all these features we have to think through the implementation aspect and the impact on the performance of your application how are we introducing those code snippets in our code base that is really important so for example if i am loading a particular third party script synchronously in my application it is going to impact the rendering of my web application and let's say if i'm loading it on the top of the body largest impact if i'm loading at the bottom of the body maybe little bit impact but there could be a interactivity impact because of that and i think i was talking to you a few a few months back when we talked about how do i how do we load google analytics and the other such analytic tool in a better way and we when yep. you showed me some example that. of examples of really interesting way to load those things without impacting the performance right and it is not just asynchronous which usually people just say okay put a async attribute on the script tag and it it yep. will work for you maybe it is the, it is the good solution for a small application but sometimes that is not good enough right and then the solutions that we discussed were pretty good i think we can share some of them with the visitors right uh, yeah i think on a high level uh, what we did was we we devised a way to lazy load all those third party scripts and uh, the way we did was we de devised a few fallbacks 
uh, but then the primary way was to detect some user interactivity for example when a person moves their mouse till a certain extent right or scrolls down or maybe uh, starts typing on the form so that is when we start loading all these uh, third party scripts that are not needed on the load time so like you talked about the analytics and all those things a lot of times these scripts are actually needed on the runtime when users are performing certain actions the idea was to delay the loading of these scripts so that they do not block the other important scripts that are actually needed on load time so this is one of the way in that we followed uh, of course very simplistic explanation we did ensure that there were enough fallbacks in place and then we also segregated the uh, bits that were actually needed on load time that was a little bit complicated and involved but at a high level that is what we did and i think if someone is building out starting out with their own website then this could be a very straightforward and handy way to do it all right that was definitely a good solution which we also implemented after consultation with you in our project and how it improved the solution was not just in terms of delaying based on the user interactivity but it actually improved our core web vitals right for example tti was what was there that time tbt improved tti improved right it also had a gradual impact on the uh, lcp as well because the javascript that was blocking uh, in terms of execution by the third party was delayed for later so it had a good impact uh, in terms of uh, optimization so that's where if if you have third parties which could be delayed right in terms of deferred asynchronous or user interactivity we should load them accordingly right um the second aspect to that is that let's say you have a third party okay and you want it to be loaded according to the um, there are events nowadays right in in your browser certain events earlier there were couple of events one was related to dom interactivity and then page load now there are many more events that are there right so you uh, just an example i'm giving is uh, if you will go to web.dev and you go to aurora project right a u r o r a uh, it is a google team which is working with the frameworks and they are working on certain solution in terms of how to load third parties or implement best practices in your application they have collaborated with next.js and implemented a script loading component which could load your script before interactivity or after interactivity right so they have used those certain events to load your third party scripts right and it is out of the box within next.js you can directly go and use that component so for react next.js people it could be a breeze to use that but for others also you can go and research around those events and create your own components or script loading strategy uh, to utilize those events and with next.js i know it's a performance obsessed framework so they taking that step does not surprise me a lot but of course something to look forward to for sure yeah so manish now we know how to make websites faster but how do you know if your website is fast enough or in other words i would say how do you measure performance when we talk about optimization the first thing that comes in mind is 
about how do I measure my performance first, right? Until I measure the performance of my web application, how would I optimize it? So that is the first step. Now, to get to that first step, you need to first have a strategy, right? How do you want to go about it? The first thing that you would do is you would choose budgets for your uh, optimization, right? So for example, let's say I've identified that these are the four web vitals I want to focus on. One is LCP, one is FID, one is the TBT, and one is uh, CLS. Now these are the four areas for front end, right? That I want to focus on. Now I will identify the thresholds for that. And some of the thresholds or the best practices or the numbers that we usually look for, right? Are provided by Google. Uh, in terms of what is better, what is good, and what uh, what is worse, right? In terms of, for example, let's say if your LCP number is more than 2.5 seconds, it is having a bad user experience, right? Versus, let's say if you have a um, CLS of less than 0.1, then it is a good thing to be there, right? Or if your FID is more than 400 milliseconds, it is bad thing, right? So they've already told you about it. So these are some of the web vital thresholds that you would set. Similarly, you would set the threshold for your asset loading, page weight, right? All the asset size in terms of the bundle sizes, file sizes, you can set those budgets. Now, once you have those numbers, using different tools and techniques, you can set those budgets in your uh, build tools as well as in mm -hmm. your monitoring tools, right? Saying that, okay, if a certain threshold is crossed, do not build my application. For example, let's say I have an A.js bundle, right? Now A.js is going beyond, let's say, 15 KB. Then you should break the build, right? Do not build it or do not deploy it, right? Uh, second part is for web vitals, you can have a log monitoring tool or a RUM, real user monitoring thing, and an event which captures particular uh, performance matrices. And for, or for a particular threshold, if crossed, for example, if the LCP crosses, 2.5 seconds, you can set up an alert, right? That's how you would get to know that if there is a problem. So what we did, we identify the uh, matrices that you want to cater to. We set budgets and thresholds. We utilize tools to um, uh, implement them or uh, attach them. And then we set alerts for the same. So that's how you know what is happening, right? And now there are different that, tools. I'm sorry, I think you were about to mention the same thing. So I was asking, what are these tools that we can use to, you know, once we have set the budgets, once we know what metrics to track, what are the tools to actually track those metrics? How do we get that data out of the system? Right. So there are n number of tools that are there in terms of the page load or network thing and everything. The basic or the first and foremost that I would tell people, if even if they do not have access to any of the tools, is to go through Chrome DevTools, right? Yeah. Chrome DevTools is the most comprehensive tool that, that is available, right? You can utilize that to find out in the network tab if, if there is a uh, there is an API call which is taking a lot of time, if the asset is taking a lot of time, what is the size of the asset, right? Then you have elements where you can see, oh, if the image is of proper size or not, right? Is it the intrinsic and the rendered size same or not? What is the aspect ratio of the thing is the asset already zzipped or not right very primary information you can get within elements tab then you have lighthouse present in the browser itself right lighthouse provides all the details related to web vitals with indicators right 
if your page is in amber condition or red condition or green condition depending upon the web vitals of your web page so these are some of the that are primarily for from home point of view now let's say you have also access to other tools for example web page test right mm. or page speed insights or sitespeed.io there is these are some of the examples that i'm giving you there are n number of them and which could be integrated directly into your ci right or cd and are these right? depending on, yes most of them are free right that you can download install you can take subscription and so most of them are free there are also paid version of the same which you want if you need more features then you can use but these are there as free let's let's say you want to have more advanced thing or maybe you have a react application where you want to have optimization for react specific thing then react also provide dev tools right there are packages like why did you render there are uh, profilers there are so many things that you can utilize to to have framework specific optimization right right and if you want to go more further right you want to say okay i have optimized my normal page load of looking at web page test and i have also optimized using the chrome dev tools using lighthouse i have also optimized a react application using the react developer tools or the profiler right and to know more i want to go deep into why things are happening the way things are happening while the rendering the page right mm-hmm. then you can utilize the performance tab or the memory tab or the javascript profiler tab in the chrome dev tools they these three tabs in the chrome dev tool are the most comprehensive detail providing tools in it in themselves right they can let you know okay which particular asset or code is causing a lot of cpu utilization or memory leak if there is a memory leak that is happening right and that is how you can know if your web where are your web vitals loading how is your film strip of the application looking like right and uh, if there is a um, memory management that is needed so you can know n number of things from those tools right which i think uh, the memory profiling or the cpu profiling would more like be the dominion of uh, an expert developer but definitely it helps to know that these things exist and uh, if you need them they are just there built into your browser you don't even need to go looking for third party solutions right i have had a case uh, in my previous project where there were a lot of memory leaks and uh, the memory analysis tool that chrome already comes with it was very handy so what we did was we put some load using uh, something like jmeter or load runner on the application and we started observing uh, how the memory grew and this memory analysis tool it would uh, provide you the heap dumps uh, which you can very readily see okay all these objects that are getting created and all the instances number of instances of those objects that were getting created so you would have a visual cue and uh, based on that you could pinpoint that object in your uh, application and then you could either remove that part or optimize that part so then it would be more like a normal developer level uh, optimization but uh, really helpful i mean it was uh, it was a learning experience for me nice Definitely. to nice to know that 
So I can give you another example of MEM because you talked about memory leak, right? So in one of the applications that we were working on, we realized that when we were doing a load test, right, page load, load testing for our application, we realized that after a certain point in time, our application started crashing. Now we we started debugging uh, at the primary level to know, okay, how is the memory increasing? Or what is the heap size? The heap dump, like mentioned, we met, talked about all those things. And just by looking at those heap dumps and the memory profiler, we could identify that there is a uh, context created through context API, which is there in the memory and is getting added during each page navigation. So once you move from one page to another and one page to another, that object is create, getting created again and again. It was a huge object that was creating, right? And was not getting um, decomposed, I would say, or uh, going away, right? disposed of. So, and that was adding to the memory and it was increasing over and above and eventually crashing the pods. So it is very important to know the that aspect of uh, application after a while, how you are writing your code, because that could impact the uh, memory management of your application. There could be memory leaks. And we we used uh, Gatling uh, and JMeter right, to, to do the load test as well as the stress test, uh, just to get ourselves ready for the peak readiness. Right? So these were some of the tools that we utilized. Uh, if, if you want to do JMeter is free, you can use that for your load testing, stress testing. And you mentioned that some of these tools can even be put into CI/CD pipelines to automate the process of running them. Maybe they generate some kind of a report and then you can send alerts when a certain threshold is exceeded, right? So have you exactly. been using these build, uh, you know, these, these things in your own build processes? Exactly. So we actually had our engineering team set up within our account and we created uh, lighthouse scripts as well as uh, gatling scripts right uh, primarily lighthouse for web vitals and uh, gatling for load and stress test and we integrated the toolings related to those and script into the ci and uh, the cd right for particular environment because we wanted to have a consistent environment where we could do a daily analysis of how our application is performing after each improvement. So as part of the engineering culture, what we did was that we used to pick a few items every sprint to optimize our application right? in terms of web vitals as well as in terms of rendering in, at, at the server side end. Right? And that's how we were on a daily basis going, getting to know what is the lighthouse score of these five or 10 primary pages, right? And what is the uh, load test report of these five to 10 user journeys, right? And those were integrated for a particular environment in CI and CV that helped a lot, right? And that's how we could create a graph as well that where were we earlier, maybe three months back, now where are we right now? Based on those reporting that was being done by the performance team. And, and it was a breeze to to just make changes in our code, deploy it and just trigger the, or maybe the, it will automatically triggering the, the lighthouse report versus for load testing, we have to trigger it because we do not want to have anybody getting impacted because there was a load test, uh, right? So we used to notify and run those tests and, uh, and the battling report used to tell us, okay, what is the, current uh, number of user that the application is able to sustain what was the ramp up time what was the what was the ramp down time and uh, how many sessions are were there how much time did the page load took uh, 
and so it, it was a very amazing experience to go through the complete implementation and and uh, execution of the, those load testing and stress testing to get ourselves ready for peak readiness in terms of how much infrastructure would we need eventually during the peak season right that was also uh, quite interesting to get to because we created a workload model and based on that workload model we identified uh, how what would be the throughput as well as the peak uh, load of users that would be there and based on that we created using little's law uh, that they call uh, which which helped us identify uh, all those information and then we create we got to know the okay how many nodes and pods as per kubernetes we would need right eventually during an average load time or during a peak load time so it was a very interesting journey to go through along with the performance team with the backend team with the infrastructure team and the experienced technology team and also manish uh, the reports that you just mentioned that you got out of running these tools in the ci cd pipelines do you think uh, they might be formatted in a way that might be useful to the business owners or do you think these are only helpful to the developers no, of course you can uh, integrate so for example i can give you an example right you can integrate grafana right and okay. uh, you can with the jpeter output or the gatling output gatling itself has their own uh, dashboards as well but you can have grafana setup uh, right for for reporting which the way you want it you can uh, create your own dashboards then we also created our own version of the data so we created a markup based page where the way client wanted to see the data we created in that format and displayed it uh, on the report but eventually we moved to confluence for better non business or non non technical aspects but you can modify reporting because it is plug and playable so you can use any tools which could provide better reporting and manish what are some sites that can be used as a reference model for performance so today i if i'm building out my website uh, either for myself or for another business then it always helps to of course know all the information that we have just discussed but also to have a kind of reference model to go back to in order to see whether uh, i am kind of hitting the metrics as per what they are on that reference website exactly. what are your thoughts on that so whenever we like i mentioned right we create workload models for the load testing similarly for web vitals you might have your own uh, thresholds and models that you want to create and it is always good to look at the uh, competitors that are there in the market right in terms of your domain industry vertical and you can say okay i'm if i'm building a e-commerce application right and these are three or four uh, competitors that are there and these are the then you have to go and do the analysis or the uh, optimization performance analysis of those particular application get those numbers and utilize as a benchmark to start with right and then you can say okay because i am not going to be them i want to be better than them right you add certain uh, numbers on top of that in terms of reducing or increasing right depending upon what number we are talking about but you can uh, have 10% or 20% improvement on top of that that could be a good starting point to do that now there are sites which could which you could refer in terms of if you are a developer what are the things that you could do you can go to web.dev right and you would get to know n number of a plethora of 
things that are present in terms of what could be optimized what are the things that are there uh, how can you optimize right that is the, that is actually there then you can always go back to the sites which are the market leaders right for example e-commerce amazon is the leader walmart is the leader you go and check how they are doing it right what what are they setting up for themselves how and try to reverse engineer see okay can i do the same thing or maybe similar thing right in my application but it all depends upon context so if if it is about business context then look at the business competitors that are in the same industry vertical if it is of a personal site right then you can go to web dev, dev and read more about it okay I, i can implement this thing or that thing or maybe i want to experiment with something you can do all those things amazing thank you so much manish i'm sure our listeners will cherish this knowledge as usual and i hope they will apply the learnings in their next project we are now at the end of the show and it is time for side bites manish are you ready with your picks yes i am great let's hear them all right so uh, last month or so i have been listening to a couple of books right related to psychology of money by mogul husain and mm-hmm. atomic habits by james clear so these were two great uh, audible books that i i listened to and currently i am listening to hard thing about hard things by ben horowitz right and it is about startup ceo what are the hardship they go through right and i am having a love hate relationship with the thought process but it is very interesting book to go through also i am reading a book right now which is called what buddha taught by velpola rahul uh, it is about the teachings of buddha right i'm going slow uh, through the pages but i think i'm gaining a lot in terms of spiritual knowledge so these are some of the things that i'm either listening or reading uh, i also binged watched couple of shows like all of us do during our weekends so mm-hmm. i watched family man season 2 uh, which i believe is much better than the season 1 and my i God. also watched thunderclaw going to be my pick as well but sure i lot awesome. i lot steal the thunder from you no but I, you are right it it is actually better than the season 1 and i liked it a lot and the second one is thunderclaw on z5 that i watched you should definitely watch sunflower uh, and one of the actors from sunflower is sunil grover and mm-hmm. it is a very comic satirical murder mystery a different take a different kind of show i liked it a lot and i would recommend you as well if you like such kind of shows yeah definitely i i think i like uh, uh, murder mysteries i'm a big fan of uh, agatha christie and of course i've read the entire volumes of sherlock holmes so yeah i think i'll probably like it i'll check it out for sure do okay. you have any more picks no i think those are the bits that i'm uh, either reading or watching so currently i have also brushed up some of the skills right uh, in terms of react native or performance or uh, testing unit testing i'm currently going through uh, performance stress endurance testing uh, documentation So these are some of the things that I'm doing right now. Wow, Manish! And I, I hear that you are currently on vacation uh, between projects, and it's just amazing to see the level of commitment that you have for your technical growth, right? Self growth. 
amazing manish hats off to you so even in the vacations you cannot be away from technology thank you i think this is the time i got a lot of time to uh, do all such activities of reading books brushing up my skills and finding out new interests right and it it was good it was good okay so i'll quickly tell the couple of picks that i have uh the first one of course is family man season 2 as you said this is a great amazing series so i watched the first one a couple of years ago it's it took a while for the second season to come up i guess because of the pandemic uh, the shooting could not happen but the first one i really liked that uh it was uh, pretty well promoted by amazon being an original but i thought that the content was also pretty good uh the theme was not entirely new but still i think the uh, performances of the actors and the script it was very well written and very very well executed as well and season 2 builds up upon where uh, the season 1 uh, leaves us off and uh, it's a different kind of a story i mean uh, it's not about the same terrorist organization that we saw in the first season it's in it's about a different one an entirely different one but still has elements from the first season uh, how it merges all those elements together and then the performance is just spectacular i just am like 10 times a bigger fan of you know manoj bajpayee than i ever was after watching it and i think the individual performances of each actor were impressive yeah, right uh, they have all grown uh, in in these two years and uh, really like the thrill also it was like uh, watching a neeraj pandey movie right just like watching a neeraj pandey movie all the episodes fantastic i totally second that thought you 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 do right great 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 and the other pick that i have is the ongoing sports season so i'm a big sports fan i'd never miss any uh, you know open tennis matches or football matches the at least the international ones the tournaments and uh, of course cricket you know every indian just loves cricket so we have the test championships going on the the finals uh, between india and new zealand uh, unfortunately the first day was washed off but the second day went on uh, in a limited capacity india posted a decent total you know in whatever capacity they played but i think they have a stiff challenge with Uh, against uh, new zealand still india has the firepower india has the players i'm pretty hopeful and confident in their ability to bring the trophy home the first one right uh, i'm also cheering for the german national side in euro cup 2020 interestingly it is named euro cup 2020 but it's happening in 2021 because of the That's inevitable corona virus right and similarly the tokyo olympics 2020 is also underway i think it's going to begin in july and they have also not changed the uh, year right so it it's still 2020 so i'm i'm cheering for uh, the german national side in euro cup i've been a supporter since 2006 i really love their team the commitment the kind of team spirit that they play with it's just amazing you know unlike uh, many other teams where generally they have one or two players upon which the entire team depends for example argentina has messi and then portugal has uh, ronaldo but uh, germany although it does have its own set of stars it never relies on the firepower and the coach is also very particular about it 
you know when even when people are performing in top forms he generally drops those people just to ensure that there is no overconfidence built into any of his team players amazing right that's um, interesting take on team approach i think right and and the you know the tennis season of course uh, french open just saw a new champion in uh, in not nadal but the other of the big 3 uh, djokovic Uh, it was his second title and it was an interesting you know semi final where djokovic defeated uh, nadal you know, it's it's like extremely tough to do that like 90% of the cases you fail nadal has just lost a cup only two twice in this entire you know french open it was uh, it was something to see those are my uh, two picks manish really took a lot of time but that's it so any any closing notes yeah sure so let's come back to the topic of performance right eventually what happens is that all those techniques and uh, methods and numbers will not work if we do not have a culture of performance optimization in our organization or in our projects right and to bring in that culture all of us should focus at improving at least 1% percent in each iteration right when i say each iteration it could be a sprint or agile methodology wise so to bring in that culture we should have at least 1% improvement in each iteration for performance optimization right and if you are the person who is working on performance optimization and improvement and you are making a difference right i would like to uh, congratulate you you keep up the good work your work matters and is significant thank you thank you manish for sharing that it's a golden statement and thank you again for being with us and sharing all your practical experiences with our listeners i'm pretty sure they are going to go home uh, do their homework learn a lot from this episode and come back with a very fast website thank you so much thank you everyone for having me thanks